I started just doing a day here. Are you recording? I'm recording, if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to the second episode of the Key in the Lake podcast. This is Jake Hookie. I will be uh, solo this evening. My co-host and good friend Wilson Torres is unable to join me this week as I took a little trip over to Journeyman Distillery over in Three Oaks, Michigan. Actually just left uh, this morning around 8 a.m. Uh, this is on Monday, February 25th, and uh, I spent the day hanging out with my good friend uh, Matthew McLean. He is a distiller over at Journeyman. Him and I worked together for a number of years over at Koval Distillery, and I was heading out that way to write an article for another publication, and I thought, hey, why not uh, grab the microphone, set it all up, and have a little conversation with Matt. It uh, turned out to be pretty good. Got the nice little ambiance of the distillery in the background. If you've never been out to Three Oaks um, to visit Journeyman, which you should if you're ever in the Chicagoland area or out actually out in Michigan, uh, they have a beautiful facility out there where they distill, um, have a couple different bars, a restaurant, and a huge private event center, and everything is connected into one old warehouse. And on the top floor is a uh, event space where the um, the stills of the dis- uh, the, the actual um, towers of the still come up through uh, the floor. So basically you can see into the operation from wherever you're visiting the distillery, which is a really cool aspect and uh, really great for anybody who's interested in the distillery world and see the whole process actually take place live um, to view it. So it was a great little afternoon out there, or I guess you say, I should say morning. Uh, Matt showed me around along with one of their other distillers, Tom. We had some really great conversations, took, some, took a few photos, tried a little whiskey. And at the end, like I said, we recorded this conversation Basically, what uh, I wanted to do was just talk to Matt about how he got into the whiskey world, um, our little bit of our time spent together at Koval, and what he plans on doing with uh, Journeyman in the future. Uh, Matt, which he'll talk about and let him talk about it mostly himself, instead of hearing me ramble on about it, the best thing it seems that be happening for Matt over at Journeyman is that he gets this experience, uh, to experiment with so many different possibilities when it comes to whiskeys, not just American styles, but taking bits and pieces of uh, old world parts of the distilling world and applying them to American whiskey. They are doing some really great stuff over there at Journeyman. They're kind of one of the founding fathers, if you will, when it comes to this whole craft movement here in the Midwest. And I wanted to talk to him about where they plan on going, what the future is for them, uh, what the future is for Matt as well, because he's a super hardworking dude. When uh, I worked f- with him over at Cobal, he was commuting uh, about an hour and a half each way. He actually lived over in uh, northwest Indiana. Uh, if you aren't familiar with this area, northwest Indiana kind of merges with uh, with Michigan, and Chicago is just around the bend over on Lake Michigan, so it's kind of a little bit of a tri-state area. And he would commute every day uh, in and out uh, about an hour and a half each way, like I said, and provide for him, provide for his little family as well, and uh, just basically, basically be a part of this awesome world and craft spirits. He had the opportunity to stay a little bit closer to home, a few years ago and start working for Journeyman, which is only probably about a 15, 20 minute ride for him. So it was a little bit easier on him, probably a little bit easier on his family too, than now that he has two kids. Um, so I'm sure they love spending a little more time with him, seeing him more often. I know he doesn't miss the commute as he uh, mentions at the very end of the podcast, but 
that's about it. All I have to say, um, this was a really great conversation. Wilson will be back with me for the next episode. We will be recording in the, uh, live from the Beguile Brewing on the next one for the third iteration of the Key and Light podcast. And until then, everybody enjoy um, your week. Enjoy your time spent with one another. And cheers. And oh yeah, I'm uh, drinking a little bit of uh, Eagle Rare this evening on a nice little cold evening. Um, here in Chicago, the bourbon kind of tends to warm you up. So I went with a little bit of a classic there and had some Eagle Rare while uh, I record this intro. Other than that, guys, take it easy. How's it going? Doing great. Um, obviously, uh, all right, so we're over at Journeyman Distillery um, here with Matt McLean. And we are going to start uh, talking about how we know each other, where we got into the whiskey industry, and what he's doing here over here at Journeyman. That's okay with you. Sounds great. Awesome. So, Fire um, away. Yeah, Matt and I actually worked together at Koval a number of years ago, um, and he came over to Journeyman almost three years ago, and yeah. uh, what's, uh, what's been the biggest change since then? Um, well, obviously the move uh, back to kind of where I'm from. Um, uh, I grew up in northwest Indiana, so uh, southwest Michigan is um, almost like northwest Indiana. It's only a few minutes uh across the border from Indiana. Um, so it's basically kind of like moving home almost. Um, sorry about the yeah, barrels being filled in the distillery. Those yeah, yeah. Um, well, the biggest change is um, I've moved into more of a creative role uh, at this distillery. So um, definitely have a, a bigger chance here to um, expand on my own ideas. Um, but also operating within the within the distillery here and um, our core values, I guess. Sorry, guys. Lots of stuff going on. Lots of stuff going on. We are recording. They're just above uh, the actual still. So um, on the upper on the upper level of the facility in one of the event spaces. But you know, if you have blood, that, don't worry about it. Well, we love the whole natural sound. The actual real <laughs> real noises of distilling. Which is walkie-talkies. Walkie-talkies and, and hammering bungs. Hammering bungs, which is a true <laughs> story. Um, for sure. Well, uh, what brought you uh, mostly into the whiskey world? I know you were doing brewing before, but uh, what kind of brought you into it? Um, the funny story about that is actually um, uh, Journeyman's Whiskey is actually what got me interested in um, craft distilling. So um, I was working at Greenbush Brewing Company um, in Sawyer, Michigan. I worked there for a couple of years, um, but I was also living in Three Oaks while I was doing that, and this is where Journeyman was. Um, and uh, Journeyman's whiskey is actually the first craft whiskey that I tried, and I was blown away because um, at, at the time I thought uh, whiskey had to taste like Jack Daniels or it had to taste like Jim Beam. I, I didn't. I kind of associated um, uh, whiskey with those particular tastes, um, so. It kind of blew my mind when I tasted actually the last feather rye here. At the time, it was called Ravenswood rye, um, but it was so sweet and so smooth and so delicate, um, and that's actually really what got me started uh, in my interest in, in whiskey. Um, so the next step for me, as a as a uh, someone who was in the beer industry, was was to actually maybe start investigating the, the whiskey scene. Um, to me, uh, there was always some sort of um, mystic behind distilling uh, because it wasn't as well known 
the pr- production of it wasn't as well known as what most people think of when they think of brewing beer. It seems very straightforward. Yep. Um, I always thought there was kind of a mystic quality behind the magic of how the spirit is produced. Um, and I always kind of viewed it um, uh, romantically, if you if you would say that, um, as the completion of, of uh, it's the cycle of, of alcohol production. So you make this beer, and then the other part of that is reclaiming it um, into this this concentrated spirit form. And I always thought that was um, a really romantic idea. So that's kind of what drew me into the industry. Yeah, I think it's funny how like uh, people always assume that people that uh, the folks that work in the whiskey industry always have these extensive palates before entering. But like we all kind of <laughs> we kind of always ta- all have like the same like Jack Jameson. And, uh, yeah, um, it definitely. Um, I remember one. I didn't really even know exactly what a whiskey still yeah. looked like. Definitely. Um, I remember getting to Koval for my first time and like seeing all the valves and all the dials and all the copper and all the piping and thinking, even though I had seen, you know, worked with beer kettles and mash tons, I remember feeling slightly over my head. Um, I was like, there's no way I'm going to know what all this stuff does. But I mean, now it's like second nature. Um, But palette wise, I remember the first day of being trained there, um, and one of the distillers at the time, Nick, was trying to show me the difference between heads and hearts, which is different cuts. And I looked bewildered yeah. because I was yeah. like, I don't taste a difference Definitely. at all. Yeah. And I remember him saying, don't worry, man, you will. Um, and I remember just being like dumbfounded because yeah. I, I, I had zero palate. Um, and it took me probably about a year um, to make a my own comfortable heads cut mm-hmm. into a hearts cut um, with with feeling confident about yeah. that so I think it's definitely a, a palette that needs to be developed uh, it is. especially I think it's a very delicate palette that needs to be developed um, in, yeah. in whiskey production I think it's kind of where you're talking about the, the romantic side of it all once you really figure out that there's so much of a hard process that goes into it during the whole week of producing it and then the barrel aging aspect of it as well sure. which probably is like the most everybody talks about like the most magical um, kind of where everything happens to the flavors and the taste of the, sure. of the whiskey and kind of where that romantic charm comes into it whereas you know I used to pass around the heads the hearts and the tails because at tours at Koval oh, and, that's and some people would even tours. smell the difference be like oh okay and then I'm like oh yeah they don't they aren't around this every single day you, right. you really have to show them explain to them um, what's inside of those chemical compounds uh, versus um, if you actually did taste it we didn't allow to taste it except for the very few that just had my back turned and they started uh, drinking out of the <laughs> head bottle but um, it goes in a lot goes into it because like the head cut um, is the very first part of the do you want to go into it and explain it sure um, and it's interesting um, you would think that something that you didn't want um, in your final spirit would um, would smell and taste horrible but heads actually have a relatively yep. uh, delight delightful smell to them um which is interesting actually um uh, the term blind drunk actually comes from Peckwood's appellation uh distiller is not um taking their head cuts off of their distillates yeah um and and your heads actually has um the methanol like methyl alcohol in it um aldehydes acetone it's um 
it's basically nail polish remover. Um, so they were actually drinking this stuff, and um, and it doesn't have a terrible taste to it no. or, a, or a terrible smell strong, to it. It's strong, sure. Um, but they were actually drinking themselves blind. Um, but, I mean, that's a very small part. Uh, when your distillation starts coming off your still, it's a very small part of the distillation as a whole. But it's something that does need to uh, be taken out of the whole thing uh, before you get into your heart cut, uh, which is the, the purest form you just let the, the more ethanol-rich um, uh, grain drinking alcohol. Um, but it goes back into kind of, that's kind of an, um, not only is it a scientific thing, but it's also an, you know, an artistic yeah. thing on the distiller's part of where he needs to make that cut. Um, and, and the same thing with the tails cut. The tails is the last part of the distillation that comes off. Um, so you get your heavier alcohols pushing through, you get fusel oils coming through, um, which a lot of those lend a, a lot of flavor yeah. uh, into your, into your heart cut. So it's really the overall spirit that you're looking for. Um, yeah, because the distillery distillery depends on, you know, where they, the interactions yeah, the barrels and all that to get you certain flavors. That you're how long they're going to be aging the product yep. um, and what characteristics they want in their whiskey. So, I mean, from distillery to distillery, I mean, that tail's cut. Um, definitely. Definitely varies. There's no, there's no scientific... <laughs> Uh, point for tails where it's like all right this is yes yeah this is where it needs to end yeah because you could show somebody who's a novice to any of it never had it before you could give them a hard cut and tail cut they're like oh maybe because they're telling me it's different sure maybe right play a trick on your head that maybe it's a little bit different in flavor or smell and the aroma definitely can be different uh, oh yeah and uh you can definitely feel it um viscosity uh yeah. the oiliness of the spirit yeah. um i i always do this um burnt popcorn kind of uh, uh, test uh, when you're smelling the where the alcohol is coming off you're still off of a whiskey parrot as we call it um, it gets kind of a burnt popcorn smell it's hard to describe um, but that's generally when you're like taking a turn for, for, for the end of the end of your distillation also tails sometimes kind of smell like a wet dog yeah um, it truly does I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure you've you've smelled your fair share of tails, but yeah, it's also just gave my dog a bath last week. She, she hates getting baths. It's like World War Three. So. My dog hates also taking baths as well. She runs yeah. from the from the hose and stuff. Yeah, we have to do it in, uh, inside of our bathtub because in an apartment that's basically right. yeah, <laughs> blends us two, and she tears down the shower curtain every time and oh, breaks yeah. a few things, and then she likes to shake it all out in the middle of the bathroom so that your bathroom is right. soaked. I remember, uh, you know, small quarters living yeah. in Chicago with a with a large animal. Yeah, maybe you're the smart one that got out of it, moved out, <laughs> moved out here to. Uh, and now I pay the same price for a uh, a three bedroom house and a backyard. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now you can come to work and have a golf course too. Oh yeah, a mini golf course. Um, no, that's awesome. Uh, where do you think um, for yourself, like how you've grown in the last? I mean, it's been three years. You've been working in this industry for what six, seven years now. Um, in the whiskey industry, six years. I've been in beer. Uh, so beverage, you know, yeah, beer and spirit. Alcohol, about yeah. eight years, probably now. So I've been making some sort of craft booze for the last eight years now. Yeah. Um, what was your What was the question? Where do you see yourself expanding into it? Like, how do you how have you changed? What do you think is uh, where your where your strengths? Um, it's definitely uh, since since coming here. Uh, I think I talked about it a little bit. My creative, yeah. um, uh, artistic approach to spirits has grown exponentially since I've gotten here, yeah. and I, I think a lot of that has to do with um, encouragement um, in trying different things 
and, and straying from the norm. Um, uh, definitely viewing that there's not one way to make a spirit yeah. and there's not one way to distill. Yeah. Um, I think since since this move to Journeyman, um, my creative side has been sparked. Um, and I think it'll continue to grow. Um, and I hope it does. Yeah, I, has, I mean, uh, if we can talk about the Sherry cast downstairs, it's, I mean, it has a lot to do, I think, with uh, the availability to always try new things. And sure. And, and take and take cues from um, yeah. uh, other successful places the when needed. The whiskey industry. Sure. Yeah. So, um, uh, Bill, myself, and a handful of the distillers went to Scotland a few years back, um, and we toured the countryside and went to a bunch of different um, uh, scotch distilleries there. And one of our favorites was Glen Farkless and Speyside. Uh, and they had a very heavy sherry influence in their scotch. So it was all aged in like ex-sherry uh, butts. And we got back and we were like, we... I mean, it was some of the most beautiful spirit I've ever, ever drank. And we're like, well, we have to do something like that. But, you know, with an American flair to it. Absolutely. So yeah. uh, we, we took rye um, that we grew on, the, on Bill's family farm in uh, central Indiana. Um, and rye is a, a very traditional American yeah. uh, crop um, and, and, and a whiskey, whiskey grain. So we took that... Um, sent it to, to a company and had them malt it like you would find in, you know, um, malted barleys yeah. and scotches and stuff like that. Um, and it, that malting process lends a very unique flavor to it. Um, and then we distilled it um, kind of like scotch, a lot of big full flavor, um, about 140, 150 proof. Uh, we put it in X cherry cast um, where Jake just saw it down there and got to sample some of it. Definitely. Um, and it's only about a year, year and a half old right now, and we hope to um, let it sit for about 10 years. That's the plan right now. Uh, and then hopefully it yeah, creates no, a very sought-after estate whiskey. Definitely. I mean, I had the kind of the same, similar approach with Journeyman back in the day, too. Probably about the same amount of time, almost. Um, is that it was one of the very first craft periods I ever had, too. And I came from a part of Iowa where Templeton Rye was always kind of sure. like the king. And this is when Templeton Rye had just expanded nationally and kind of came first into Chicago, it seemed like. And so when I saw, like, 100% rye, like, rye right. whiskey, you're like, oh, I want to try that. And then you try that, like, the smoothness of it, and then you really get to know um, kind of the approach of the distillery once you're inside of this industry for long enough and always the experimentation, but always loaning yourself to the historical parts of where it's coming from, um, what is Ameri- what American traditions can add value yeah. to uh, an old-world spirit um, like Scotch, where it's so much more... Uh, longevity to it, but in distillers, you know, when they first kind of came over, or people just in general started coming over to America, and distilling was part of that process. It was using those uh, old world approaches and using the, the rye grains, and it wasn't the expansion of corn until people started expanding more west. Sure. And uh, it's kind of cool to see how this distillery here honors that, and you have those casts now downstairs, and doing still have a traditional American takes with your own little twist on it. Sure. It's a very unique thing to see. Anything uh, in the future you guys are uh, working with that you're excited about? Um, uh, Tom and I talked about it a little bit, but um, uh, uh, the triticale uh, red corn bourbon that we're going to be working on. Because red corn can lend itself to different flavors, which you guys were talking about. Yeah, we've actually, we've played with some red corn um, bourbons, and it has, lends a beautiful caramel flavor to it. Um, And 
uh, we actually grew some triticale on the family farm, which is actually a, a rye wheat hybrid. Um, and we're going to make a, a next starting next week. We're going to make a, a red corn bourbon, like a almost a fifty one percent red corn, forty nine percent triticale uh, bourbon, uh, which will actually be malted triticale. Nice. Um, so in the future, I'm looking forward personally towards that. Yeah. Um, because actually, I don't have no idea what it's going to be like. Um, so, it's completely new territory. <laughs> Is that what uh, kind of most like brought you here? It's all that the new territory of it all, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, testing new things out. Um, Obviously, being closer to home helps out instead of commuting an hour and a half each day each way. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, no, I mean, just the opportunities here have have are really attractive um getting to um, a chance to like you know create my own creations within the within the company um and the experimental side of it um i think those are like the main things yeah that i I get out of this relationship with joining in yeah that's kind of what you hear a lot of uh people and whiskey and beer whatever it might be is that the best part of it is to you know you try to do things on your own all those new stuff that's uh there's no what I love about this uh making whiskey here there's no end in sight there's no end game yeah yeah it's 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 ever evolving um there's always literally always new projects there's always new uh visions um so it's never the same thing every day and I think that's important uh in this business is to always keep evolving and uh, keep creating new things uh, yeah. for, for people to try um, and for yourself to try. Yeah, yeah uh, definitely. It kind of is one thing, too. It's like when you see those new spirits out there on the shelf, it can be very overwhelming, but um, buying a bottle, you know, people going out there investing a little bit of money into a bottle maybe you haven't tried or maybe it was just a sample of, uh, it's definitely worth to go out there and see if you like it because it can open up, open up your palate to so many more different distilleries. Yeah, absolutely. Is there uh, something like you like to you know go after and try new things um, personally? Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I, I'm one of those guys that probably tries a new. Um, I don't. I don't have one brand. Yeah, yeah. Um, of, of of whiskey, but you don't just exclusively drink journeyman. No, I don't. I don't. I mean, I drink a lot of drink. Um, but I also don't, like, go to the store and be like, oh, my yeah. bourbon is Maker's 46. And that's all I get yeah. ever. Uh, if there's Generally, I look for places that I haven't heard of, to be honest. Because, um, you know, I, working for a craft distillery, obviously people like me yeah. who's going to give this name a shot is what uh, keeps us in business and what's let us grow so being a craft distiller um i definitely look for um small places to give a shot yeah um and i mean a lot of a lot of times those are winners yeah definitely i mean kind of we always i think what attracted me to like beer first which was like you i started doing work in breweries and then transitioned over to distilleries was that the community there um what it was really built on and founded on is that you know, we can succeed together and yeah you see that, absolutely you see that th- not just in your local regions but kind of cr- across the united states and i mean i was just talking to with uh with some brewers how uh some local wineries in their area help them out with like equipment and everything so it yeah kind of go throughout the whole entire 
um, industry when it comes to spirits in general. But. Um, and, and you talk about the brewing community. The brewing community is extremely collaborative. Yes. Yeah. Um, and when I first started in spirits, it wasn't always the case, I don't think. Um, you didn't hear a lot of distilleries yeah. interplaying with each other. But in the last few years, I mean, I've talked to a, a number of distilleries about... Um, uh, just different ideas yeah. and sharing ideas and helping everybody get off the ground because I think we all kind of um, we keep the we're in the middle of a craft distilling boom right now so it's actually in all of our best interest yeah. to keep the craft boom going um, yeah exactly because like a few years back you didn't know like oh my as an, even as an employee of the company you're like am I saying too much because we don't really know what we're all doing at this point. Right. It was such a it was such a trial and error, uh, which it still is, obviously, for a lot of pe- a lot of people, and obviously the new ones. But you just didn't know if you could even like trust what you were doing as yourself, along with other people, probably. Um, the best the best quote I ever got was uh, talking to Dan Carey of New Glarus Brewing Company. If you guys know who Dan Carey is, he's one of um, uh, the pioneers in the craft brewing world. Um, and I actually had the opportunity of kind of teaching him a little bit about distilling when he yeah. came to Koval. Um, and he was sitting there, and we were all talking about the collaborate, collaboration process. And um, he looked at me and said, uh, uh, none of us, uh, we still don't know what the hell we're doing. <laughs> right. um, he's, he's like, I've been brewing for, you know, so, so many odd years, and, I, you know, we still don't know exactly what we're doing. And so it's... It's best to get pieces of the puzzle from everybody. Mm, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's cool to see like the collaborations that. Um, honestly, I mean, distilleries and breweries are kind of getting into that, but you definitely see the community building together um, with distilleries, letting their guard down maybe a little bit more when it comes to talking about the future, talking about right. expansion, when it just is even going into new markets. Simple as that. I uh, even heard you know multiple distilleries talking about like what their approach is. Right. Even salespeople talking to each other saying, well, "Hey, what bar are you going to today?" So I don't go there today too. Right, basically, right, right, right. not piggyback on you and all that stuff. So it's good to see like that community definitely is building because like when you first entered the whiskey distilling industry and when Cobal opened its doors, there was just like a handful in the area. Um, now there's like 17 or so in the Chicago land area. You include Journeyman out here and right. so many other places around us too within this kind of like tri-state region. Um, think when you know the bottles are more present like in the big stores and the liquor stores to see more craft uh, bottles or craft labels it kind of helps everyone out at least i hope it i like to think it does in a little right. bit but um yeah anything else you want to add to this no no not Thanks. at all i've taken up way too much of your time today so no it's all right should end it there it's been, uh, <laughs> been walking around journeyman uh taking photos and uh, He's going on three hours now, on, Jake. Going on three hours. That's way too long. I think I get back to the traffic. So, you know, that's always fun. Oh, I, I don't miss Chicago traffic.